Alright, and welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. I am your host, Joshua, and welcome. Today I'm going to get to a player that I've been promising for a while now uh, by the name of Ronald Jones the second, don't forget, the second. And look, this guy is about as controversial as it gets for the 2018 class, at least for running backs. And man, you'll see him drafted anywhere from uh, third all the way through eight in rookie dynasty drafts um, coming out of USC. And man, the opinions... I'm not going to give you all the data. I'm not going to throw at you all his measurables and so on. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a certain level of knowledge coming in, and you just want me to give you all of the angles that are coming at this guy, and there's lots of angles. So we're going to hit him. We're going to go right into him. I want to tell you where you can go, first of all, to hear full arguments for each of these positions, because that's I really think that's the most important thing that I want to be able to bring to you guys. So the number one, I'm going to start on the con side or the, the against side, or at least the skeptical side. And the number one place I know to go to for that on Ronald Jones is the podfather, Matt Kelly, on playerprofiler.com. You can go and see, you can look up Ronald Jones, all his measurables there. And you can also scroll down and you'll see some highlight clips they have on their website. Uh, and they're the YouTube videos, but they're really clips of his podcasts. You can go back and find uh, Rotor Underworld podcasts. I'll try and find which ones those were for you in the comments to this podcast. But the point being, the, Matt Kelly from very early on was very skeptical about Ronald Jones. And the number one reason is his pass catching ability. And then number two was his measurables. He's 5'11", okay, a little on the shorter side. That's fine. You know, lots of good running backs, 5'11". Weight, 205. Oh, that is right on the body weight and BMI line for where some alarms and uh, kind of warning bells should go off to give you a little bit of skepticism that this guy's going to be able to pull off uh, bell cow level work, okay? He's just not that big a guy, and ah man, I am I'm torn on this guy. For myself, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my personal perspective right away here. I'm staying away from him. A friend and I were talking last week, and somehow, very convoluted conversation. I'll skip to the end. He compared me to Marlin in Finding Nemo, but you know what? I didn't take it as an insult. I told him, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Because if everyone had just done what Marlon said, everything would have been okay, right? Don't touch the boat, okay? Marlon was right. Marlon is the, Marlon is absolutely the forgotten hero in Finding Nemo. Everyone loves the redemption story of Dory. Okay, we especially see that in the second half. In the second movie, we see how that ends up. That's wonderful. It's heartwarming. But, man, everyone loves Nemo. He's going out there. He's being adventurous, finding ways out of the fishbowl, the tank. Okay, 
But guys, let's reel it back in a little bit. If you'd just done what dad said, you'd be okay. But no one cares about that. So just like that, my attitude with Ronald Jones has been, don't touch Ronald Jones. That's been my policy so far. I haven't drafted. I haven't. Haven't. I haven't had to draft him anywhere, because he's usually going before I would consider him. I believe I'm in one draft, going on right now, where he still hasn't been taken, and I might have to take him. And this isn't a rookie. This is a startup. And I think I'm in a draft with a lot of Ronald Jones haters, and I might have to take him. And I'll get to why on the pro side. I'm gonna finish up the con side but I just felt like I'm sorry I kind of a little disjointed there I had to tell you how I felt because it just felt a little dishonest (laughs) I didn't want to give you the wrong impression Uh, but that's where I am on him I I don't know I'm just skeptical so I I, if I don't know there's other options is my point on him so the podfather he'll lay these out in all those clips if you want to check him out but the main problem is his height his weight, and then his measurables in the combine, they weren't great. And I know, I know he had the hamstring. Okay, Mm, all right. But then he ran it again later, and they say, well, he wasn't healthy yet. Well, then why did he run it? Okay, it's really easy to say that, oh, I wasn't healthy after the fact and after you have a poor showing. It's a lot harder to say going in, oh, I'm not fully healthy, but I'm running it anyway. And then you do badly, and it just proves your point. But it was brought up afterwards. So was that an excuse, or was he he really not fully healthy? And what in the world are you doing running a 40 if you're only 80% or whatever it was supposed to be? I don't know. The point is, it was a 4.48% measured at that time but that's not a combine systems again matt kelly will dig into that oh man he digs into that and usually the way that uh, player profilers found it they add 0.05 seconds to non-combine 40 times because the measurement system is not as as exact okay and yes they use the lasers or whatever that that still is not the same system that the combine uses it's not as exact, okay? You can go read up about it. But the point is, that's not great. Everyone's talking about this guy's athleticism, but when you actually look at the numbers, he's actually not that athletic. All right, so that's the concern about him. And then you throw in the fact that he he had a, what, 4.3% target share? Guys, he wasn't involved in the passing game. And in today's, especially fantasy NFL, I I know, I don't care about normal NFL. We care about it as it relates to fantasy. But when it comes to fantasy football, the the guys are only going to get to the top if they can get involved in the passing game. If they're not involved in the passing game at all, then they'd better be, they'd better be LeGarrette Blunt, right? So if he's not LeGarrette Blunt, I'd rather have Eddie Lacy who, by the way, is just a fatter Ronald Jones, if you haven't noticed. The rest of their measurables are the same. Okay, height, 
arms, so on. Eddie Lacy is two was two hundred thirty something pounds at the combine, and Ronald Jones is two hundred five. So is he skinny, Eddie Lacy, or is he going to be able to be a third down back, or just any down receiving back threat? That's what I want to know, and it's what I don't know. It's what I don't know. And anyone who's being honest with you, whether they are for him or against him, they admit we just don't know. But if you look at the college opportunity and usage, I mean, you you want to see something there that proves he can do it. And evidently his college decided that that's not the best way to use him. Was that a mistake on their part? Possibly. All right. So that's the negative side and that's me being skeptical of ronald jones on the other side we have some people who really like ronald jones when they describe him it's almost like a completely different player they see an athletic player a fast player a player who's able to even though he is not as large he's still able to break contact and then he's explosive and you can have big plays all right. They see a player who has not been used much in the passing game, but is capable as a dump off. All right. You've got to know right now, Ronald Jones always gets compared to Jamal Charles. And I can't tell whether this is a marketing coup by Ronald Jones, who himself has idolized Jamal Charles and brought his name up as who he would like to be compared to. And I'm not sure if we've got some inception going on here where people are actually comparing him to Jamal Charles now or whether that's just because he looks like him I don't know whether that's justified or not it's just a little it's kind of humorous to be honest Jamal Charles yeah he was a great pass catcher but a lot of them were dump offs and then in open space he was great if Ronald Jones can add that to his game even the haters have got to admit this guy can be a really good fantasy and just NFL producer. And his current position drafted early second round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without a lot of um, not very high draft capital or highly touted talent around him. He's going to get the opportunity if he can transition to getting the passes even if they're dump-offs, if he can convert those into fantasy points, he can be something, at least an RB2. As skeptical as I am about it. Um, on the other side, he's uh, on the other side, he's Paul Perkins. Okay. That's how I told you that I told you, I tried to warn you. That's how divisive this guy is. You either have to say he's Jamal Charles or or he's Paul Perkins. Personally, I think he's Paul Perkins with draft capital and in a much, much better situation. And who's to say that Paul Perkins with higher draft capital and in a better situation couldn't have done better? But the fact is, he is where he is. He's going to get the opportunity. He doesn't have much around him. Uh, but again, he has to find success in the passing game. And this is doubly important because the only other player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that could challenge him is Peyton Barber. But Peyton Barber is a on-the-ground, between-the-tackles runner. He is very capable 
running back. If you just need someone to run the ball forward, to go where he's supposed to go, he's very capable. He's proven that for a couple seasons now, being behind other running backs that were supposed to be better than him. And by the end of the season, uh, it's Peyton Barber putting up points. So are we going to see the same thing with Ronald Jones? Is it going to be Ronald Jones struggling in the passing game? And so if he's not excelling in the passing game, what's to say Peyton Barber won't be splitting his carry attempts? Honestly, I myself, like I said, was so divided on this guy. This was a hard podcast for me to try and put together, to try and figure out what I wanted to share with you guys, to try and not be biased, to try and still give you know positives, but at the same time, I don't want to lead you guys astray. There's lots of warning signs. But if he can get involved in the passing game, as soon as you see that, that's what I would look for, and that's why I do want to get to here. If you see in preseason he is involved and successful in the passing game, then you can hop on. And then I'm then I'm on board. I'm absolutely hopping on that train. Until then, I'm not risking it. To me, he's not worth the risk at the price he's usually going right now. And if if you are okay with that risk because you see the upside, uh, then that's on you. Go ahead and, like I said, look out for Adam Spinks, RB Scout. He guests on a lot of different podcasts, and I know I've heard him talk about Ronald Jones um, in a positive light in many places. You can go all the way back to Elliot Christ's Draft Daily Pod um, for a more comprehensive profile on Ronald Jones, and they're pretty positive about him there. But they're also, like I said, they will also admit he wasn't involved in passing game in college. So something that came up during my podcast listening this week was the idea that there's a lot of players that people are are high on this year or really low on this year that um, many of us have had opinions on in the past. And if you caught my last podcast profile with the guys from Fantasy Football Breakdown. We also mentioned this a little bit in there, a little bit of Jordan Matthews, Kelvin Benjamin, and I wanted to highlight a couple more players, and I'm going to do this more in depth in a future episode, a little bit like I did way back when, when I talked about uh, skepticism, and I brought up a few names. going to bring up a few more names this time around, and these are players that, again, I was either high on or low on in the past, but then I felt like everyone has changed around me and flipped to the opposite perspective, but I'm like, no, you're going too far. So the first one I want to bring up, it's Zach Ertz. I loved drafting Zach Ertz last year at a great value. Because I saw him as being a top five tight end in 2017. And I was right. And I'm not, that's not why I'm here. That was a very quick turnaround to be right. It wasn't a big secret. Most people who were paying attention knew he could be good. Knew he had shown flashes at the end of 2016 with Wentz. 
So the question was, would that build, would Wentz uh, have a down year? Would he be good? Obviously, he had a great year, and Ertz with Wentz had great numbers. Of course, when Wentz got injured, that hurt him, and then Ertz himself was injured, and that provided Trey Burton the opportunity to, to flash. So now he gets his big contract this year in Chicago. In the meantime, Ertz's touchdown numbers on his targets are really high. I mean, regression would say that... Now, regression is... I will say, regression is not the opposite of progression. I mean, it can be, but in this usage, it's not. Regression means, statistically, you're going to regress, revert, back to average numbers. Not average for everybody, even just just for yourself. Okay? And we all see this happen. If you are playing baseball and or even just watching baseball and you throughout a season you see a a hitter hit at a really high batting average for one part of a season and then they go through a slump and it's that up and down but by the end of the season they have a 270 batting average well that 270 batting average is built up over the course of the season because they had highs and lows the mean is that average at the end of the season and even any given point in the season, you could look at him and say, well, this guy's usually a 270 bat- batter. We know right now he's in a slump and he's only batting 100. Or you could say he's really hot right now and he's batting like 350. At any given point, you could look at that and say, well, he's going to revert back to his normal average at some point. And this isn't gambler's fallacy saying, well, he's going to be as bad for as long as he was good to balance it out? No. It just means with the future uh, chances, he's going to probably continue at that average that was his normal average. And that's how you get guys with really high batting averages. Oftentimes that means they had a really good stretch during the season, so they had that high peak but it just didn't pull them back down. They didn't have any real lows. They just stayed at their average plus the bonus of an added spike, and that brings them up. That brings their average up over the course of the season. So when I say that Zach Ertz is going to regress in touchdowns, I just mean that he had nearly the same usage, same targets, same catch rate, actually worse, but he just had four more touchdowns. I mean, that's it. And slightly better yards per catch. But his targets, his yardage, everything was the same except he had four more touchdowns. And also tying this with Wentz, if you read around the industry, you'll find that people have found that Wentz's touchdown rates were extremely high. Uh, Historically high, not as historically high as Deshaun Watson's last year. But both of them are also going to regress. If they regress, those touchdowns, those extra touchdowns, they have to disappear from someone from somewhere. And I'm afraid it's going to be Zach Ertz. Maybe he doesn't get the four he had in 2016, but I don't think he's getting the eight he had in 2017 either. That may mean he just gets six. You may think he gets more usage than he was. I don't think he will. I'm just saying I'm not sure he's tight end three in 2018. And I didn't change on him. He changed. 
Okay. I still think he's around tight end five. I did before. That's why I was hoping he would end up when I drafted him last year. And he ended up even better. My point is, don't get swept up with the hype on these players. Keep it steady. Uh, another player is Devin Funches. Look, I've been on the Funches bandwagon for a couple of years. I lost money in 2016 because I bet, a Carolina Panthers fan, by the way, I bet him that Funches would be the second highest scoring fancy player receiver on the Panthers, and it wasn't. Again, beat him out because of a couple long touchdowns, of course. I lost $5 because of it. But you know what? I was still on the Funches bandwagon, and I drafted him at the very end of drafts again in 2017, and I've been on him. But I'm sorry, it's gone too far. He's not a wide receiver one. He's a very good wide receiver two who will have some really big weeks when he catches touchdowns. But he's not shown anything to tell us he can be a prototypical number one on his team or in fantasy, especially when you've got all those other players and targets, you know, taken away from him. And Cam Newton doesn't support that kind of number one target anyway, unless your name is Greg Olson. So I like Funchess, but just don't get too high on Funchess. He's a wide receiver too. This isn't me being down on Funchess, guys. He's really good. He's really young, but he's old enough and we've seen enough that I don't think he's ever going to be that number one. I don't think he's suddenly going to start catching uh, passes at a 60%, 65% rate. Okay, He's been at and will be around 50 to 55% and will be reliant on touchdowns. Another, McKinnon. I have loved McKinnon. I've been on McKinnon. And I'm not even telling you to not take him in the third or even late second in a startup. I love him, but it's getting a little bit crazy. I'm not sure I would take him over Mixon in a dynasty because the guy is older. I just don't see it being that great. Obviously, we have a whole episode of me touting McKinnon. I'm not hating on McKinnon. I love him, especially for this year. I'm just saying, don't take him over Mixon. That's all I'm saying in dynasty. Don't take him over Mixon. That's all. All right, and you heard me talk about Jordan Matthews. I mentioned I've been pretty steady on Jordan Matthews. I think he's a great buy for cheap right now. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, fantasy vegetable, okay? Just eat your vegetables. It's not pretty. It doesn't taste good, but it's good for you, okay? He gets points. Who else is going to get points? I don't care who's throwing in the ball. Now, all of these takes that we have... We have to put them in context. And you've heard me many times reference this. And I'm going to hit it lightly and tell you, and then I'm going to get to what I'm trying to get to, which is that when we talk about McCaffrey or Olsen or Funchess, I talk about how many attempts there is there. Okay. How big is the pie and how is it getting sliced up? That's the question. And a lot of players and a lot of a lot of predictions I see, or at least rankings, don't seem to take this into account always. They don't seem to realize that, no, you can't have all these players on the same team being that good. There's just not enough to go around to make them all that good. But this is why we usually love players in 
highly effective offenses like the Packers and the Patriots, even, you know, recently the Chargers. This is why we like players on those teams, because there's a lot to go around. I've talked about this with the running backs for the Patriots, and it's why I'm okay buying Sonny Michelle because I don't think he has to be amazing. There's a lot of points there. Somebody has to get him. Even if Rex does well, there's still room for another. And that's why I talked about Ronald Jones. Look, somebody's got to get carries. He's going to get around 200 plus carries. The question is, can he catch passes? Are there enough passes to go around? There's a lot of passing options in Tampa Bay. You don't need to throw it. You don't need to force passes to a running back who's not really good at catching. And if he's not really good at catching, they're just going to throw it to somebody else. You've got Mike Evans, right? Godwin. I really like Justin Watson as a sleeper. But hey, Adam Humphreys, good old Adam Humphreys is there. And Deshaun Jackson deep. There's so many options in the passing game. Why do you need to force it to a running back who's not good at it? I can't think of any good reasons. So unless you're on a team where there's no passing options, this is how Bilal Powell, blah, blah, Bilal, Bilal, blah, blah, Bilal, this is how, oh gosh, Bilal Powell ended up being so good in 2016 because who was he throwing passes to? Who was, uh, was it McCown? I don't even remember. Who was the Jets quarterback passing the ball to? Nobody. Everyone was injured. So that's my point about Ronald Jones. But this is the point. When we look at these players, we have to look at it in a holistic uh, approach where we integrate what our projection is for them with what's even possible for the team. Which is why I started working on my own projections and I'm doing it on a team-by-team -team basis. And I have a sheet where I am projecting initially the quarterback's stats. And then I work backwards. And from there, I divvy up the projected attempts, pass attempts. And then I estimate out the team's rushing attempts. And then work backwards and, and divvy them up among the runners. And this makes sure that it just gives us a reasonable baseline projection for what players are even possibly getting. And yeah, it's possible that in there injuries happen so you can take away snaps or attempts or targets for one player and you can shift them to others. There may be a player that just breaks out and demands more workload than what I saw coming. That's not the point of these projections. The point of these projections is, are to give you a snapshot picture of what is possible uh, within the team. And I'm going to be trying to get those out to you guys in some format or another. Maybe a simple website. Not sure yet. But if you have any interest in those or you have any questions, I'm usually going to be referencing them. I've started referencing them and then uh, I'm taking all that data and putting it into an overall rankings and that's how I'm going to be doing my rankings this year just based off that and it'll be a purely objective rankings based on those projections so I'm going to be getting those to you guys somehow I'll look for an announcement here on the podcast and on Twitter at Fusion FFB 
And like I said, probably uh, a website of some some kind. I'll get that to you guys. Honestly, I'm never sure how to end these things. I thank you guys for listening. Uh, it really means a lot to me that I see people out there listening. I'm, I'm hitting pretty decent numbers right now. I would call pre- pretty decent. Probably they're not. They're probably terrible. There's a handful of out, you out there who I know personally do listen. Uh, there's more out there of you listening than I know. So that's that's cool. But thanks again for listening. And I hope you enjoy these. Any feedback you guys can give me, I'll try to put to good use. And have a good night, everybody.